We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew. We're going to be actually looking in Matthew 21 and Matthew 22, sort of a, a, the running uh, scripture that's going there. So Matthew 21, Matthew. I'm going to, ask, uh, I'm going to talk to you about uh, answering questions that aren't questions. Answering questions that aren't questions. Uh, the, a new body repair man was just breaking in at a new body repair shop, and uh, <clears throat> he was working on this banged-up car, uh, but he made some very significant repairs. He took his time. You know, he felt the edges. He, he, the thing was immaculate. I mean, he, he did a, a stand-up job and perfect. And so the owner of the car came by, and to this guy's surprise, the owner of the car began to complain. And so the, the owner showed him the side of the car saying, you know, the paint doesn't match, and there's all sorts of bumps and valleys. and all. It's a terrible job, terrible job. I'm, I'm not paying for it. He demanded an explanation from the repairman. He said, I'm not paying for it. And so the repairman said, well, all I can say is that the repairs that I did were on the other side of the car. You know, so, some people, you, just, you know, they're always looking. They can't, you just can't please them. You get, they're always looking for the other side. You just can't win some people. And that's, you know, Jesus just couldn't, if you look in Scripture, there were people Jesus talked to. He just couldn't win them. He just couldn't bring them to that side. So, you know, they asked him questions, but no, but no matter how Jesus answered, they just weren't going to believe him. They went from one direction to another. Uh, uh, so you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read a couple of Proverbs 26, 4 through 5 says this. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll be like him yourself. But the next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Proverbs 15 and 28, the heart of the righteous studieth the answer. The heart of the righteous studieth the answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Proverbs 26 and 16, the, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. You know, all these things are to understand that, you know, we're going to run across people in our lives that are going to ask us different types of questions. And so that's what I want to talk about tonight. Qu questions that really aren't questions. <coughs> Pardon me. You know, it's the sinful part of the human nature that answers this or answers like this. If I like you, you can do no wrong. If I dislike you, you can do no right. You ever met that person on both sides? I had friends in the past that saw me do wrong but still didn't believe I could do no wrong. Now, how st stupid is that? And then I had other people in my life that, you know what, no matter what I tried to do, you can never do right. Just what you go. So, you know, people that think that way, you know, if, like we just said, it, it shows a heart of insincerity. It shows a heart of dishonesty and disrespect for truth. It's really not about you. But, the, but, but it shows disrespect, insincerity all, for truth, what the truth is. You know, you can, tell, you, ever tell, you can tell the truth to a person, they still just don't believe you because they don't like you. You can tell a lie to a person that likes you, and they'll believe it's the truth. The whole thing is this. We, we, there are questions, that, and we'll just go through a couple. The deceitfulness of human heart uh, causes Jesus to answer at times like this. You know, when I read this, I've read this a thousand times, and you have too. He said, how long must I, and I'm going to put it in my words, how long must I put up with this generation? That's how I kind of put it in my words. How long have I got to put up with this? Oh, this crazy generation. You know what? He probably would say the same thing today. 
How long am I going to put up with this generation? Jesus was asking many insincere questions, but he answered them with grace. He answered them with wisdom, and he answered them with boldness. And like Jesus, we've got to analyze the nature of a question and respond accordingly. You ever responded to a question and found out they weren't asking that question at all? Yeah, Darren asked a question last, was it last week? And I didn't realize the question he was asking. I was, th- I was thinking he was asking something different. Because Janet told me later, that, I don't think he was asking that. I think he was asking this. Sometimes you hear something and you think they're asking a certain question when they're asking something else. But here's the thing. People are going to ask you different questions. And, again, we're going to go over a couple. There's, there's a bunch of different types. But, but you, have to, you have to analyze the question and the nature of the question to respond to it. So in Matthew 21 and Matthew 22, Jesus is actually teaching in the temple courts. And so a, a group of, of Jewish leaders came by and said, hey, by what authority do you do these things? Now, this is the point in time where Jesus is teaching, and he turns over the, the money changers' tables. And so after that, they said, listen, by what authority do you do that? Who ordained you to come in here and set everything straight? Where are your credentials? Because what, you know, what they were actually trying to do was corner Jesus and get him to say something like, by answering the question quickly, well, no one's ordained me, no one's this and that, and try to make him look foolish in front of everybody. But Jesus was, you know, if there was smooth to answer questions, it was Jesus. He knew right where they were coming from before they ever got there. And you know what? We can do the same. And we, we have to learn to do the same. Uh, oftentimes, and you'll see here, he doesn't give them a direct answer. Why? Because he knew their motives weren't pure. You ever felt like you just got to give the direct answer every time? Regardless of what a person asks you, you need to give them the direct and the right answer. Understand, Jesus didn't do that. Understanding their motives, sometimes he didn't answer at all. A lot of times he answered in parable. There were different, and I think as Christians, we feel like we've got to be right, and so we got to answer the right, and be, and we do need to be right. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but you need to understand the purpose and point behind the question before you answer the question. So in verse 25, he, he, he kind of gives them their own medicine. You know, they ask him, who do you, you know, where's your credentials? Who, who made you boss and all this stuff? And so in verse 25, he says, the baptism of John, whence was it? Was it from heaven or was it from men? So he throws it back at them. You ever done that? You ever answer a question with a question? Jesus did it. I used to not trust people that did that. If I ask a question and they answer with a question, I thought they were there hiding something. But you know what? Maybe they were asking me the question back because I was hiding something. Maybe they realized what, where I was really coming from, and so that's why they did it. And so let's read verses 26 and 27. Chapter 21, he said, verse 25, the baptism of John, whence was it, from heaven or from men? And they reasoned with themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not believe him? So now they're reasoning this thing out. But if we should say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. (laughs) Uh, you know, well, we're not sure. We don't know. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. You see how Jesus answered the, well, then, you know what? You ask me a question, I ask you a question. If you don't know, I'm not telling you what authority I have here. Just understand this. Jesus didn't always answer the question. 
And we're going to get down here, Israel, the reason, there's a reason why he didn't. We're going to get to that point. <clears throat> Parables that would display his authority, then he tells them. He, he kind of, and I'm, I won't go through it for the sake of time, but if you start reading and read the parables, he's basically showing them through a parable why he has the authority to do this. Here's the funny thing. The common and reasoning man of that day, the common, they understood the parables. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the E's and those and other, the, you know, the religious people, they didn't get it. Uh, sometimes when a person asks a particular question, you know, maybe you should be indirect, not direct, but indirect. And this is what Jesus does. He's indirect, and he bounces it back to them. Just because something is true does not mean you have to shout it out. Just because you know the answer doesn't mean you have to shout it out. Sometimes people need to be led to the truth. You ever told someone the truth and they didn't get it, but you led somebody through? You didn't shout out the answer, but you led them through? That, that's one of the purposes of the word. And you can tell a person about baptism, you need it, or you can lead them through. So just because it's truth doesn't mean you just have to shout it out right then. Understand something. Jesus was very good at this. He would take them through a parable, or he would take them through a question, and he would lead them to the truth. And the beauty of leading somebody to the truth is when you lead them there and they bite, they've got it for themselves the rest of their life. You know, one of the things that really bothered me from past situations was people that would be uh, praying to receive the Holy Ghost and a pastor or preacher tell them, you got the Holy Ghost. That really bothered me. Because, listen, when you receive the Holy Ghost, nobody's got to tell you. Nobody's got. If somebody had to tell you, you might ought to go back and pray some more. You might ought to go back and pray some more. Well, they didn't understand it. You know, they didn't understand everything on the day of the Pentecost either. But they knew they received spirit. They knew, and it changed them. And so uh, just because we know something, sometimes leading people and letting them, they have it for the rest of their life. Uh, so let's read Matthew chapter 21. Let's read verses 15 through 22. Let's back up a little bit. Verse 15, and when the chief priests and scribes saw that the wonderful things that he did and the children cried in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. Now, this is not the children that were sore displeased. And said unto him, hearing that thou what these say, and Jesus said unto them, yeah, have, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? And he left them and went out of the city of uh, Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning as he returned to the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in that way, he came to it, found nothing thereon but leaves only. And he said unto it, Let no fruit grow on the here, here forever, forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. Man, that's, ooh. Verse 20. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Sometimes, okay, you got the picture, Hosanna, Hosanna, the kids, and the, 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 the quit, hey, do you hear what these kids are saying? Sometimes it's just a trap question. So they, they've got Jesus there, and he hears what they're saying, Hosanna. And so do you, do you hear what they're saying? So people will do that to you. You ever have somebody trap you in a question? 
We're, good, we're talking Bible here. I mean, you, I used to trap people all the time in questions. I still do it. Y'all come to me afterwards sometimes. Somebody, why do you do that? You trap people in questions. You understand what was going on here? They were trapping him. And so people will ask a question that just can't be answered in a simple fashion. And so they have to be willing if, to, to, to think about the things. So sometimes people ask a simple question just to simply trap you. They have no intentions of believing the answer. They don't want to hear the answer. They don't care about the answer. The simple intent is to trap you. Now, again, we're talking about questions, that, answering questions that aren't really questions. People will ask you questions that aren't really the question. If God can do anything, here's, let me just, y'all, who believes in here God can do anything? Okay. Can God make a rock that he can't lift? It's one of those, it's, people ask questions like that. What color were Jesus' eyes? People will ask, some people, hey, I, I got my religion, you got yours, aren't ours equally the same? They, they're, they're just really trying to trap you into a conversation that creates an argument. That's why they're trying to trap you. These questions do have answers, but if you try to answer them simply, you're going to find most of the time if you just respond to that trap, you're going to give an inaccurate or you're going to give an incomplete answer because they're not looking for an accurate, incomplete answer. They're looking for something else. When somebody asks you a question like that, by the way, Ask that person if they're willing to listen to the answer. If I give you the answer, are you willing to listen to it? If I know the answer to it, would you want to hear it? And people that are asking trap questions, nine times out of ten, are going to say, I'd forget about it because they don't care about the answer anyway. They were there just to trap you. You know, some Pharisees uh, tried to trap Jesus into taking sides, didn't they? You know, the zealots said, hey, you don't pay taxes to Rome unless your life's in danger. Don't, that was the zealot Jews. They, they were constantly fighting the Rome and fighting. And didn't want, and so, but then there were others that just said, just pay your taxes. And so what did they do? They turned to Jesus and said, well, what do you say? So what a trap. What a trap. But what did Jesus say? Well, yeah, give me a coin. It's pretty simple. Here's, who's on this side? Okay, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, render unto God what is God's. See, the deeper issue here was not to argue about taxes, but to give God what is God's. That was the deeper issue. Most of the time, the biggest reason people are, are repelled by truth is because they're just trying to justify a sinful action. They want to be free from the God side. That, that's, that, most of the time, that's what happens. And here's the deal. Real Christian maturity means to go beyond particulars and move, look at the motives and principles behind the particulars. The particular was, who do we pay taxes to, or do we not, or do we? That was the particular. But you got to go. Jesus went beyond that. And he said, listen, you have a responsibility here. You have a responsibility to Caesar. You have a responsibility to God. You need to do them both. And so it really was. It could have been anything. Whose dog do we pet first, Caesar's or the church dog? Which, which one do we pet first? Go beyond the particular. Go beyond the particular. The real problem with the unbelieving Jews was not about taxes. It was about priorities. That was their problem. That was their problem. If the motivation isn't there, the, the particulars are just distractions. The particulars are just distractions. Getting what's behind the particular, you know, I, I think that I've, I've seen this more and more, you know, just being a pastor. People get tied up. <clears throat> 
God despises sin. He hates sin. Sin's repulsive. He won't have any communication with sin. But many people get trapped in the sin part. And God's not about the sin. He's not about the what. He's not about the particular. He's about what's further than that, the why. The why. Why did you do this? Because when you get to the why, the particular will go away. If you found out why you're doing something and you learn how not to do it, then that particular goes away. And so a lot of times we look at the particulars, and again, don't misunderstand. I'm not telling you to run out and start sinning and do a. What, what I'm telling you is just recognize that there's something much deeper than the sin that God's trying to rectify in your life. He's trying to get to the why, why we, why we do certain things. So uh, then there are questions that they ask Jesus that were just mockery questions, just trying to mock him. And, and so Jesus would use scriptural logic. You know, it's a scriptural logic. There's, what's the difference between scriptural, something scriptural, and scriptural logic? Anybody? Scriptural, scriptural logic. Scriptural logic is the extension of a principle. You have the scripture, but behind it is a principle. And if the principle started in the beginning, the principle stays to the end. But what happens is people will use scripture, but not the scriptural logic. And it meant something here, but now we're going to make it mean something else down here. You see that in the church world big today. You know, you have to study, really study prosperity in the scripture. You really study prosperity, then you know exactly what prosperity is, and you understand that today's prosperity message is, is backwards. Well, I almost said a word there. <laughs> backwards. <laughs> it's backwards. It's backwards because it doesn't fit. Y'all quit laughing. Y'all don't know what I was going to say. I just said I was gonna about to say the word. Scriptural logic is the extension of principle. There are people who will draw on a scripture to confuse truth with the real and whole truth. Okay, all women are humans, right? Therefore, just pulling off a scripture, if all women are humans, therefore all humans are women. No? You're correct. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a misuse of... I'm using a base thing here. It's pretty simple. It's a misuse of Scripture that has gotten us to where we are today in the church world. It's why we have denominations and all those things. So what we have to understand is, well, let me get throw another one at you. So be not drunk with wine. Be not drunk with wine. Okay, we'll go with that, right? Don't be drunk with wine. But then they'll turn around and say, but it doesn't say anything about being high on, on drugs or smoking pot and getting high. It doesn't say anything about that, so that's, we're cool there, right? You see, there's particulars, but behind the particulars is a principle. The principle is not to be out of your mind regardless of what you're doing, whether you're smoking pot, whether you're doing some kind of psychedelic, whether you drink wine or whatever. The particular goes way beyond, or the, the, uh, the discipline behind it goes way beyond the particular. But... The problem in our society today, in our church world, is that we're taking this scripture here and this scripture here, and we're just making it wash for ourselves. There is a principle behind every particular. Right. Drunk with wine. We're in his excess. Mm -hmm. Right. He's okay with that. But he didn't say, don't be high on pot. So, 
Right, right. Because, there, again, there's particular that covers the, the particular of be not. It covers, it covers, it covers it all. Because the principle is much deeper than the one thing. The Sadducees would ask these hypothetical questions and try to get Jesus trapped in a hypothetical question. You ever been asked a hypothetical question? I'm going to throw one at you. So there's a man in the desert. He's been in the desert now eight, nine, ten days. No water, no food. He's about to die. And so he decides to turn his life to God. But we know the Scripture says that you, to be born again, you have to be baptized. So what happens with this man? Is he not going to be born again because he happens to be out in the desert where there's no water? And the answer is you baptize him in the swimming pool. Well, you got the hypothetical guy out in the desert. I'm going to give you the hypothetical swimming pool. By the way, there was a guy riding in a chariot in the desert reading Scripture that Philip jumped on and said, hey, and you know what? Here's the thing. People will throw that hypothetical at you to trap you when you have to understand something. If your heart is right, then God makes a way. What, what Philip's trying to hear, hey, what is it? this is Moses. Don't understand a thing. Philip said, hey, let me explain to you what. And right in the middle of all of that, he's explaining Moses to him. He stops. He said, hey, here's a lot of water. What does, I need, let me be baptized. What did Moses have to do with baptism? You see, when a person's heart is right and they're receiving God's word, it's like the guy in the desert. Well, you know, if that's the case, is God that cruel? Well, all we got to do is go back to the beginning. All we do is go back to the beginning. So, so we know that Noah was in the ark with his family. The Bible says that they were saved by water, but what were they saved from? Sinful people, the, the sin nature of humanity. That's what God was saying. God wasn't saving them from uh, the water destruction. That, that's a miss. People miss that all together. He wasn't save, saving them from the destruction of the earth by water. He was saving them from the sin, the destructive sin that was there. And so let me ask you a question. Do you think of the, let's just say there were thousands. Let's, I'm, I'm convinced there were millions of people, but let's just say there were thousands. And he preached for over 100 years. It's going to rain. You're going to die. You need, huh? hundred years, over hundred years. And so do you think when that boat started floating, there weren't people outside saying, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. Sure there were. They had children. They had, but were any of them saved? That seems awful cruel, doesn't it? But you know what? They had a hundred years of opportunity. So the guy in the desert, if he knew to call on God, Somewhere in his past, he knew about God. He had an opportunity back then. See, people get these hypothetical things, but there's answers to all of them. There's answers to all of them. You just don't, there's no point in getting into a hypothetical discussion, though. Yeah, so, so, so evil, where does, where does, why does he let all this evil happen? Yeah. If he's a just God. Well, see, now we got some people that don't even understand what God's about. If God, God is just, but God is merciful. Because justice says what about all of us? We're guilty. We're guilty. But mercy says, you know what? I got an answer to it. I got an answer to it. But you're right. There's a lot of people say, if they're, you know, why, why does God let children die by these horrible things? And why does. You know, let's go back to the beginning. 
All you got to do is look in the book and go back to the beginning. Children, children, go back to Noah. What happened to the children in the day? This is stuff, but it's real. What happened to the children in the days of Noah? Why, why would God let that happen? Didn't God know he was creating a devil when he created Lucifer? Sure he did. Sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, what did Jesus say to him? Hey, uh, devil, uh, excuse me, Judas. Yeah. So, so understand, these hypothetical things do have answers, but do you ever want to get into a discussion about hypothetical because most of the time, hypothetical is meant to what? To just deceive that, yeah. So, so the next time somebody wants you to get the guy in the desert, you know, just get him in the swimming pool, be done with it. How about this one? Where did Cain get his wife? You ever been asked that one? I, I, I've got the answer. I mean, it's right here. Huh? Genesis 5 and 4. And the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years. And he begat sons and daughters. There's the answer. I mean, if you want to know, just go look in the book. Go look in the book. When someone tries to mock your faith, give them something, return something with something to think about. You don't necessarily have to give them the direct answer, but give them something to think about. Make them think. Then let the Holy Ghost work on their insincerity because here's the problem with that. If they're insincere, they really don't want to know. So you just pray to God, work, you know, by your spirit, work on their insincerity, work on their heart so that they will come to a realization that the questions they're asking, they, they're asking much deeper principles than the particular, and they don't even realize it. Then there's just sincere questions. People asking sincere questions, questions about priorities, questions, you know, and here's the thing. When Jesus perceived that they had a desire to know, he was very direct. He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't talk about, you know, back when I did, no, look, here's the deal. He just went right straight to the point. Look at Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus came by night, so, you know, he didn't want to get caught by his buddies. So, you know, he said, he said well, man, we, Nicodemus didn't even ask a question. You realize that, right? He didn't even ask a question. He just said, listen, man, what you're doing is mighty. We know you come from, you're a teacher, you come from God. We know that. And Jesus just went straight to the point. He knew the sincerity of the heart. He said, listen, you know, you, you got to be born again. You, you got to be born again. Nicodemus wasn't asking him how to get to heaven or how to, he didn't ask him that question at all. But when, here's the thing. There are people that are going to ask sincere questions you don't have to beat around the bush about it. If somebody comes to you, you know, yeah, do you believe there's a heaven? You know, listen. Yeah, I believe there's a celestial being. Heaven, I, you don't have to explain heaven. Say, so listen, there's a God lives in heaven, lives in us. You can go direct, just take them directly to it. That's what Jesus did. Well, you know what? I, how can I go back? It's a good question, right? You've got to be born again. Who had heard of this before? Who had heard of this before? Nobody. How can I go back in my mother's womb and be born a second time? He's asking a legitimate question. So Jesus explains, and then, all the, and then he says, well, how can these things be? He keeps asking legitimate questions. And listen, there are people in your life that are going to ask legitimate questions. Be straightforward with them. You know, the hardest thing about being a Texan is we run way around the tree to get to the answer. 
A lot of us get aggravated because people from the north are direct, but that's what I love about them. I knew people from the north that worked for me at Home Depot without asking where they were from. They were very direct. They, were very, they didn't beat around the bush. They didn't run around the corner. They didn't want to tell this big story. They went right to the point. You know, it took me a little bit to get used to it. But you know what? That's so, you know, there's nothing wrong with being just straight and direct to, to a very honest question. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus answered with clarity. He answered with conviction. And he, listen, Nicodemus was listening. He wanted to know. You know, you know when people are really curious or confused, you ever, you ever have those people that ask you those questions and it's obvious they're confused about what they're asking you? You know, they try to ask a question and they'll ask a question in a certain way that you realize, well, they don't really understand the Bible or the Scripture. I've had people, listen, that was me coming in to this because I had an understanding of Scripture from our point of view. And so I began to ask questions that made no sense. They made perfect sense to me. But when Mark started telling me Scripture, they didn't make perfect sense to me anymore. What he was saying began to make perfect sense because he was direct. He didn't go around. He didn't beat around the bush. He just went straight to it because he knew that I was confused and didn't understand. And a lot of times when we find a person that way, we're reluctant. We're reluctant when they're just really asking. They're just really asking. So what do we need to do? Well, the best thing to do is sharpen your skills in Scripture. Sharpen your skills in Scripture. Because you know what? Most of us are afraid when people ask questions. What are we afraid of? We don't know the answer. And you know what the best answer to that is? I don't know. You know what? People will love you for that. I don't know, but I'll find it. I don't know. But, you know, that's a good question. How about if we? you look and I'll look and let's put our heads... Just say, I don't know. Yeah, that takes some pride swallow. Takes some pride swallow. There was a guy in our home church. He knew it all. He knew it all. Yeah. That was the, huh, is the, yeah. Nobody knows it all. Some people are more, more well-versed, though, Right? Why are some people more well-versed? Ah, uh, because they've sharpened their skills in Scripture. You can be as sharp as they are in Scripture if you're willing to sharpen your skills like they were willing. But you know what? They put some time in. They put some effort. They lost some sleep. They lost some eat. They, put, they, they just got in Scripture and sharpened and became. So you have to be willing to do that. But if you're going to answer questions, you 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 got to do that. If, if you're going to put yourself out there, and guess what? You're out there. You're out there. Sharpen and he'll hone those skills in word. Like Jesus, analyze. Listen, when people ask a question, it's okay to not have a. Well, what do you think? I just run right in there with an answer. Well, it usually gets you in trouble. Analyze what's being asked. And then analyze why it's being asked. Yeah. Why do you Christians do this? Well, do you want to know? Or are you just, you know, a bunch of cannibals. Y'all do this communion thing. Why, why do y'all do that? You know, you, really know, you want to know what communion is? Or are you just learning how to respond to questions that aren't really questions? 
there's, there's a deeper, and understand that. There are particulars that we involve ourselves in every day when we talk with people, that there's principles below it that's the guiding light to them. Never answer them with another particular. That seems to be the favorite thing. Just answer with another particular. All right, see, I'll cut it short tonight because last time I took it long. Any thoughts, doubts, fears, unbeliefs? Yes. Yeah, you actually release yourself when you say, I don't know, from any, you know, fall, fall back, don't misunderstanding. I, you know, told you wrong, let me come back. Right, right. But you're right. No, there's a liberty in that. Not only is there a liberty, the person that you do that with, there's a respect. We think they're going to think we don't know what, they'll respect you for it. They always do. James speaking about something else entirely uh, because I, I always, you know, I'm not, you know, I use that. Like, slow to, slow to anger, slow yeah. to speak, quick to listen. You got two ears, two eyes, one mouth. And so with that, though, I've always used it for having the right answer. And then, of course, not smacking somebody if I felt like it. But yeah. <laughs> am I right in the correlation or is there something entirely that I'm missing? With what the easiest way to find that, go, in this, go to that scripture. Now back up, back up a chapter and read the chapter. Read the chapter the scripture's in. Read the next chapter. Find the context. Find the context. So you know what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not answering you. I'm making you go find it. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. Appreciate you'll have it forever. Appreciate when you go find it, you'll have it forever. Anybody else? Well, look forward to seeing you this weekend. Don't send me any pictures of any halibut. <laughs> Love y'all. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. Yeah, I'll get up in the pulpit. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.